Hey. Oh my god, hey. Hi. Oh my god, it's been a minute. A long time. Yeah. It sure has. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah. I um I have I have missed recording our thoughts about movies with you. Me too. Instead, we say them out loud to each other and then they just vanish into thin air, which is just a waste. So here we are. That's right. And where how are, are you? we? Oh, oh, how am I? I mean, you're in your closet, so. Not <laughs> anymore, friends. Because <laughs> oh I came out as trans this past year in 2020 to all my friends and family, to which some of them replied, ew. But most of them replied, huzzah. So I feel really good about the world. Huzzah. Huzzah. Yeah, at least my little fraction of the world anyway. Yeah, I would like bang my hand on the table like like the British Parliament, but mm-hmm. I feel like that would mess up the microphone. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So welcome to season welcome. two. Season two. Of Check Your Threading. Check Your Threading Vice. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm thrilled to be here. As you might remember... Every two weeks, your hosts watch a movie and do some homework, and then we make this podcast, which serves up history, psychology, and our very own perspective on that film. The goal in this project is to talk about movies in a way that's easily accessible to our listeners, whether or not you have a film major degree or you just watch them for fun, because we believe that art is for everyone. That's right. Belongs to the people. That's right. So I'm Sam. I go by Sam now, and I have he, him pronouns. Um, Yes. This past year has consisted of a lot of animal crossing like a lot of animal crossing yep yep uh crying without realizing i'm crying and um i don't know i i uh, am currently unemployed but i'm trying to enjoy it as best i can so that's me nice uh i i am lauren uh new season new pandemic same old me baby (laughs) Uh, I joined a book club called Life's Library, which is uh, making me read more because uh, last year my, my Goodreads goal was 30 books and I read eight of them mm. and five of them were before March. So that's uh, an idea of how hard I, a time I've been having consuming media for the past few months. Well, also you um, read on the, the train. So it's like yes. since you don't have a commute anymore. Yes. So my goal for this year is to read a little bit less of the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, so I joined a book club, Life's Library. It's great. You should join if uh, if you're into book clubs. It's very low-key. All the profits go to charity. Uh, and I'm also on Discord now because I didn't have enough social media platforms in my life. So uh, <laughs> hanging out, talking to strangers on the internet like I was when I was 10. That's, oh. that's how shit gets done. That's how Sam and I met. That's right. It's good enough for America. <laughs> Good enough for me. Uh, And I I also just want to thank everybody who's been tagging us and messaging us throughout our hiatus, uh, reminding us that, you know, whatever else is going on in the world, movies are for everyone and and they're really getting us through uh, our current situation. So thanks for checking in on us. We're we're still here. We're still watching movies. Yeah, that's right. All right. So this week we're watching Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is Lauren's pick. 
Yes. So it is a 2001 American comedy directed and written by David Wayne, along with his longtime friend, Michael Showalter. And this movie stars just like so, so many people like pick somebody. That person was probably in Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, for real. The origin of so many good comedians. And and this the month this month's theme is comedy, we should mention. Oh shoot. Yeah, yeah. That's important. It's okay. So the IMDB summary goes like this. Set on the last day of camp in the hot summer of nineteen eighty one, a group of counselors try to complete their unfinished business before the day ends. Okay. That's accurate but very mundane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fine i mean you know yeah it's not like jaws in space level of cool yeah yeah exactly although i do feel like this movie suffers from the same level of like how do you market this mm-hmm. that that like the princess bride went through so i i sympathize for anyone who had to like blurb this movie or make a poster for it or whatever and that's how you create cult classics i think that's right yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your your business, Lauren. What's going okay. on over there? All right. So uh, in case anyone has lost the memory to the dusty hazes of, of pandemic time, uh, I'm going to do a little history about um, the film. And, and I wanted to talk about the origin of summer camp, at least Yay. in the United States. Uh, obviously, Wet Hot American Summer is all about summer camp, filmed at a summer camp, um, although in the middle of winter, I think. So the origin of summer camp is kind of a, a charming and hilarious in the sense that it's like very obvious to anyone who grew up outside of the big city, like you did, mm-hmm. that like maybe children should go outside. <laughs> like maybe maybe <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> So basically in the in the late 1800s during like we're starting to see like the rise of industrial America and kids are growing up in cities and and belonging to families that are at least like, you know, well off enough uh, to be Mm. like, hmm, maybe my child should learn what a tree is. Like, sort of like the butterfly meme, like, is this nature? <laughs> yeah. So so they start sending their kids off to the countryside for like a few weeks in the summer to frolic and learn how to build campfires and that, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in about 1900, there were around 100 summer camps in the U.S. And then in 1904, this guy named G. Stanley Hall publishes a book called Adolescence. Uh, you know he's he's good if he only has a, a first initial, mm. right? So Hall says that, you know, when you're developing as a child, it's like your whole brain is going through the same process that turned us from cave people into a civilized society. Rude. Like on an individual level. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So that seems accurate from my experience with children. Um, That's fair. And- yeah. Uh, so he, he feels that children should spend time in nature during what he calls their undomesticated stage <laughs> so that they can uh, build fire and shelters and learn basically how to like discover civilization on an individual level. And there was also some sort of gross sexist elements to this, like like the idea that boys needed to be removed from the feminizing influence of the home oh, and, okay. and reconnect with their masculinity out in nature. Yeah. Um, so by 1918, there were over a thousand summer camps. So they, 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 we had like a tenfold increase in 20 years, basically. Um, and also the Boy Scouts were founded in 1910 and the Girl Scouts were in 1912. And I feel like that played a part into it as well. 
Yeah. And then we get into the World War II era where summer camps are sort of seen as like two very opposite ends of the spectrum of like one side is this like super idyllic, like pastoral escape from reality. And then the other side is that they become almost like training camps for kids Mm -hmm. for like combat and air raid drills and like first aid and sewing and farming for the girls and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Which is kind of grim, but I guess it's like, you know, practical for the time. And and then in the post-war up through like the 70s and 80s, which is the, the time period that we see in Wet Hot American Summer, we have this sort of like return to nature mentality that is like highly idealized. And, and it gets very intense in the 70s where we see the popularization of wilderness books like Into the Woods and Call the Wild and, and oh, Walden. Sure. And also part of it is that like the hippie, free love, nature loving... <laughs> teenagers of like the 60s and 70s are like having kids in the 80s and and realizing that like their kids should go like do some groovy nature stuff sure now that they're becoming yuppies (laughs) so but like we see in the movie the idea of nature the nature that they're going back to is like extremely manufactured so like there's a schedule it's regimented you're like very carefully shepherded from space to space and guided Mm -hmm. through activities uh so like to borrow one of your phrases like it's a simulacra of nature it's not like real nature totally um and in 2001, NPR's uh, Susan Stamberg interviewed Disney CEO Michael Eisner, CEO at the time, about his summers at Camp Kewaden, a private boys camp in Vermont. And he said, if you grow up in Manhattan, camp's not really the reality. That's a fantasy as well. To be on Lake Onmora, to be in a place where you're portaging canoes, that is a kind of fantasy. So I think it's consistent. The reality is the city today in today's world. The fantasy is the forest. So I'm not sure I was living a reality life in the forest. So I think that this is where we start to see like the fantasy of Wet Hot American Summer take place. Mm -hmm. The idea of like falling in love over and over again, sometimes like to the absurd extent of getting (laughs) married multiple times in eight weeks or like having a meteor strike the camp um, or, you know, the strange supernatural powers of the kid at the end of the talent show um, or Vince rescuing a raft full of kids from plunging over the waterfall. Yes. Like that's all just like one step further into the fantasy uh-huh. of like throwing kids into nature just like for the heck of it. Like because we've decided as adults that that's a good idea. Um, sure. And then, you know, the fact that this all happens on the last day of camp is also just like fucking absurd. <laughs> so um, I, I appreciate that they are taking a step away from the like I- idyllicness of it mm-hmm. and admitting that it is like like the further we step into this fantasy the more absurd it gets so, yes yes yeah. definitely uh so i think that takes us into why we might you know be making so many movies about summer camp and i, I think you wanted to discuss the the genre of summer camp films as a whole yes all right so what's so fun about the, the summer camp genre is its versatility. Okay. So we have, you know, kids movies or comedy slash satire, which is where our movie falls in, or horror, mm. exploitation, drama, coming of age, whatever. Sure. Um, and there's almost like a, a universal social contract in the fabric of our culture uh, that when you go away to summer camp, you head into this like magical realm, like you said, this magical realm where adult supervision is limited 
and you're free from homework and school obligations for like weeks or months in some case on end, right? Yeah, yeah. So the difference between that summer camp feeling and then the reality, which you have spoken about, which is like very carefully constructed like activities and like you're pretty much constantly under supervision. Right, yeah. Is that the summer camp genre latches onto the fantasy and then amplifies it. Okay. So all your budding dreams will come true, right? Like anything can happen at summer camp. Like you could get your first kiss. You could hook up with a dreamboat. Paul Rudd, am I right? Yeah, Paul Rudd. (laughs) Or you could like beat your longtime rivals in a high stakes sports game, whatever. You could outlast all campers in a murder spree (laughs) and be the only one left to tell the tale. Sure, sure. (laughs) Maybe not in this movie, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. So then there's Wet Hot, which takes that fantasy and then kind of pushes on the boundaries of the realism and shoves it off the cliff into the realm of the absurd. Yeah, Yeah, it does. It's like they took everything we love about summer movies and about camp movies and the nostalgia of the, the kind of the 70s and 80s, like late 70s and 80s. And, like, juiced it down into this delicious blend of slapstick, callback, campy humor. Totally, totally. (laughs) Oh, campy humor. Campy humor. Okay. (laughs) Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you now. Thank you. And part of it, I think, is that David Wayne and Michael Showalter did sketch comedy before and after this movie was made. Okay. So in the movie, you can kind of see that how it watches like a sequence of interconnected skits rather than a fluid like narrative. Yeah, that's legit. Okay. And then also, I think part of it is is kind of that niche genre. Like we all grew up in that time and like we we feel close to the narrative yes. whatever that narrative may be yes you know? totally it, like my summer camp was nothing like that and yet you know yes yeah right and we we see ourselves in certain people right yeah yeah, yeah. also part of what makes it work is the play on summer camp archetypes and tropes. Sure, okay. You see yourself in someone like the bad boy or the theater counselors, <laughs> the kid that won't shower, <laughs> yeah, or the guy who like just desperately wants to lose his virginity enough that he will put people in danger for it. You know? Yep, totally, totally. <laughs> And then you have, like, the situations that are also tropes, like the talent show or the sporting event with the rival camp. Right. Or, you know, those very cliche moments of self-discovery that end in montage, you know? Yes, totally. And then on top of all that, there's also not, it's not just the people in the situations it's also like the music and the fashions and the hairstyles and and that reagan era presence you can just feel seeping into every crack of the the narrative you know like it's very much a time that people who experienced that time understand totally yeah the fashion especially like janine garofalo still being in her like 70s hippies clothes <laughs> yeah but then totally. like the yuppie-ish like 80s stuff going on with some of the younger counselors is so totally so important yes and it just straight up the music like you 
you specifically, Lauren, yeah. like the power ballad of the the early 80s, it really it hits you in a very specific way. You're being very polite. I'm like obsessed with the song Higher and Higher from this movie, like obsessed with it. <laughs> yes, uh, It's she is. a That's tragedy true. that it's only like 90 seconds long, but... <laughs> Yes. But in the, the the other thing is like in the show, they really expand on the jokes that they made in the, the movie. Yes. They like go out of their way to like make some explanations. Stuff that like I think the people who enjoyed the movie the first time around really like appreciated some of those in jokes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also think it's really interesting what you're saying in terms of the fact that like there's all these tropes happening and the, you know, the way that it plays into fantasy and reality, but the fact that they executed it using the counselors instead of campers is really interesting to me because obviously the audience is an adult audience. So sort of trying to bridge the gap of like translating this false nostalgia, like we're going to use adult counselors to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. an interesting vehicle. And at the same time, like the adult counselors aren't supposed to be adults. They're supposed to be like 16, yes, totally. right? Yeah. So yeah. it like adds a level of like, it, it adds a whole level to yeah. it that I love so much. Um, and it gets better with the show, right? Because you're 15 years older and you're on the first day of camp. Right. Yeah, we all thought that they were going to do the 10 years later. Right. But no. That's not how that went. You're can- so. canonically younger, but you're 15 years old as an actor is just amazing. And nobody, nobody winking at it. That's right. So, yes. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's question time. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Is it question time? I guess right so. Now? Yeah. Uh, so okay. t- do you want to start or should I? I think you should start today. Okay. So it's your movie. just in case you forgot, question time is when we ask each other questions that the the other person has not had a chance to prepare for. So Sam, um, tell me about some other summer camp movies that you love. Okay, um, I can give you my top five. Okay, summer camp movies. Okay. <laughs> Just in case anyone thinks that this makes it sound like Sam has prepared for this, Sam has like a top five for everything ready to go in a way that like <laughs> makes my brain go blank. So, all right, so let's hear your top five. It, it makes people very nervous yeah, that it I does. have a top five for everything. It does. <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay, so um, my top five summer camp movies. And the first three I'm going to mention are in no particular order. And Oof. then the last two are going to be my top two of all time. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, but I'm a cheerleader is amazing. One. Yes. Moonrise Kingdom, obviously. Okay. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Camp Nowhere, one of my classic <laughs> like teenager faves. Okay. And then my top two favorites are Midsummer. Oh my God. Okay. You cannot tell me that's not a summer camp movie. I, did I say? <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> so that's number two. And then that's number two. And my number one favorite summer camp movie of all time is Jesus Camp. Jesus oh Camp. Oh my God. So good. It's so upsetting. <laughs> you are so upsetting. <laughs> okay. All right. And then I have one runner up, okay. which is The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Very good. Very good film. I've seen that, but I clearly need to rewatch it because like, yeah, I need to refresh my memory on that. It's a it's a film about a gay conversion camp. It's oh, set right. in yes. 
in a camp setting and i'm always kind of like wow this is a really interesting take on the summer camp film boy yeah there's a whole thing that i cut out of my intro about how like so many people went to summer camp who wouldn't normally be able to access it because affinity groups started getting into the summer camp game so like religions and Mm -hmm. film like other (laughs) uh hauling folks off to camp is definitely Mm -hmm. a a whole thing so yeah yeah i feel you on that jesus camp definitely watch it yep it's it's very upsetting but it's also like a even now it still kind of rings true Mm -hmm. to the culture we live in today definitely so okay lauren i have a question for you oh my gosh what's your question what summer camp archetype are you uh from the available archetypes listed in in depicted in the film not just in the like i mean there are so many archetypes within summer camp culture you can pick whatever you want but if you want to stick to the wet hot (laughs) archetypes go right ahead okay well so i i'm gonna answer this as I was in middle school, not as I am now. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I did go to summer camp. Um, I think I definitely thought that I was like a wild child at summer camp. Sure. Because I was sort of like what you're saying, like uh, you're away from everyone who knows you and you can sort of reinvent yourself. Yes. Um, and so me and my friends who I met at summer camp would sort of like run around and like uh, you know, drag boys into the dances who like didn't look like they were having fun and like just decided to like we would like march up to girls and be like, we're friends now, you know, like that whole like very it was very precocious. But in retrospect, I feel like what it actually was was kind of like the episode of Bob's Burgers where Tina uh <laughs> decides that she's going to become Dina. <laughs> Yes. And the only thing that's actually different about her is that she changes what side of uh, her face she wears her barrette on. Oh, my God. So I don't think I was being nearly as wild or bold as I thought I was. <laughs> but at the time, it felt very rebellious. So that's um, that's that's the archetype that I was living. I love that. Thank you. Yes. So would you like to take us away into takeaways? Yes. So this is another one of those movies where at the time, I felt like I was really getting away with something while watching it. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, specifically when McKinley and Ben had their sex scene in the shed, I was like, what? And I just recently watched an interview with Bradley Cooper where he was saying that that was the only scene that was filmed like a serious moment and like it was all around just everything about it was supposed to be very serious and not comedy and it was jarring. I remember it being jarring the first time I watched it and like even when we watched it for this because um, it really does throw you off and I think it throws you off in a really great way though. Yes, totally. It's unexpected and I don't feel like they're laughing at the gayness of it they're yeah. they're laughing at like the like what they're making fun of is your expectation that everyone is going to be homophobic yes and, the, totally. and then nobody is and everyone's very supportive and absolutely honestly one one of my takeaways was that like this might sound silly but i think this might be the first movie i saw where people are gay and in love and nothing bad happens and everybody is like supportive of it oh yeah so like i similar to you i definitely felt like i was getting away with something watching this movie like i watched it at a friend's house and like didn't tell my parents about it you know but part mm-hmm. of that was also because i had no fucking idea what this movie was going to be you You know, like we didn't know what we were getting when we rented this from Blockbuster. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's literally called Wet Hot American Summer. Like it sounds like it's going to be 
a porn. You yeah, know? totally. Totally. It was not a porn. <laughs> no, really not. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, what about yours? Um, so mine is that I feel like we're getting a lot of nostalgic comedy lately that like owes something to this movie, um, without mm. even really knowing it. Like having recently watched Booksmart and then also Pen15 with you, I feel oh. like neither of those products would fly as well as they do without Wet Hot having sort of laid the groundwork first. Definitely. Um, and part of it is that those movies are like very like female centered and like they want or, you know, the movie and the TV show, they're very female centered and they want to tell that story from like how awkward it is to be a teenage girl point of view. And I, I appreciate that, too. But like yes. that specific 80s era or 90s era nostalgic comedy uh, that's also just like a slice of life. I feel like White Hot did it first. And I really I, I appreciate that nod, you know. And if anyone hasn't seen Pen15 and they're listening to this, they really need to go out and watch it. It's so good. Yes. Yes, totally. Well, thank you for the trip down memory lane, uh, whether I wanted it or not. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what are we going to be watching next time in our comedy month? So next, next week, we're going to talk about The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. You think it's not a comedy? You think it's a horror but it's like the best buddy comedy of all time. So we're going to talk about it. Oh my it. God. Okay. I'm definitely looking forward to discussing that with you. Should I take us away? Get it, girl. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Welcome back to our, our fireside chats. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't uh, already on your platform of choice. Footnotes for every episode are available at checkyourthreading.com. You can still follow us on Twitter at checkthreading, which I'm sure will be a lovely diversion from the current political climate, whatever's happening right now, or Instagram at checkyourthreading. You can also email us at checkyourthreadingpod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay inside and watch a movie. That's right. God damn it. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>